Hello, everyone. Welcome to the penultimate episode of season two of Bat-Ass Beyond on the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name's Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? I am um, with Concrud from San Diego still. It's yeah, been five days. You sound great. I sound weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll try not to cough or sneeze uh, while we do this. Um, I wish I had a sneeze button like in radio, but you know what, what I've do? you know what I've noticed from doing this for a while, and I, I always sa- sound worse in my head than I do mm-hmm. on the recording when I'm sick. Like yeah. I, I've I've done recordings where I've just been sick as a dog, and I'm like, this is really going to come through, and it and it it, it, yeah. it rarely does, at least to me. But uh, so yeah <clears throat> hopefully uh yeah hopefully you're correct i also feel like my uh timing response my sense of humor will be lagging you know all the side effects of getting i didn't know con crud was actually uh a thing like i know we refer to it as a sort of a joke but yeah. if you look it up i mean I'm, i don't know if it's any medical journals but it's definitely like the phenomenon of people going to a convention from all different regions of the planet and giving each other weird journals oh, yeah. to sort of make yeah I, I don't know why i never looked it up I mean, it's like it's it's like playing a reverse. It's just the average. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The chances of you getting something at at, at a place mm-hmm. like that, where it's you know, it's different yeah. than like a sporting event where everybody's kind of sitting in their own place. Right. This is just constantly crossing and talking and touching hands yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's so the chances. Yeah. I also I don't. I, I'm starting to to feel. Maybe you're trying to tell me something here because first it was. <laughs> Oh, I'm not laughing because my button, my my microphone's broken, and now it's oh, I'm not laughing because I'm sick. Is it me? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Is it just <laughs> that you're not as funny as you used to be? I guess. Uh, no, man. I think you've kept your edge. Uh, <laughs> I hate I hate to give you a compliment, but yeah. You know, me and George Carlin, the only two real ones left. Um, <laughs> we're gonna be doing two episodes of Batman Beyond the. Uh, TV show? Yes, my brain broke here. I was trying to figure out how to say these are the because this is the second to last episode of the season for us, and there's uh-huh. uh, two more after this. Anyway, we're, I'm gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk to, <laughs> on the edge, right on the edge. Yep. Still got it. Still got it. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about centuries of the last cosmos. So they finally saw through Harper's smoke and mirrors. Why did he do it? Didn't he already have enough money? It's not easy to give up being God. I guess you'd know. Poor kids. Looking to a video game for something to believe in. Yeah. What do they do now? All right. Centuries of the Last Cosmos. Written by John Shirley and Rich Fogel. Directed by Dan Reba. And in this one, a virtual reality game designer uses three teenage fans' devotion to the game universe in order to eliminate his enemies and rivals including one inspired by writers Bruce Valanche and Gary Gygax. Well, I mean, I guess he kind of looks like Bruce Valanche. I don't know who Gary Gygax is, though. Um, what is it about the fantasy of video games being used as recruitment tools that seems to be yeah. so... <laughs> so amazing? Amazing, and it's just like it's <laughs> enduring. You know, it's funny because... I thought this really predicted a lot of things, like the rise of D&D, the rise of online gaming. And this you know, episode was in the year 2000, you know, whatever, 2001. Mm-hmm. So online gaming wasn't really, hadn't really taken off yet. Um, 
So I thought it predicted a lot of shit really well. But then again, I thought, well, The Last Starfighter did this too. Yeah. This this idea has been around basically since video games were invented. Sorry, uh, sorry, yeah. f- uh, everybody's screaming at me. Gary Gygax is the guy who co-created Dungeons and Dragons. Um, that guy. Okay. Yeah. Th- there's a. Uh, have you ever heard of Polybius? No. Is it a planet? No. It's a. <laughs> it's uh, an urban legend, I guess you could call it, of a video game that was used by the government to recruit people for the military. And it's oh, it's man. one of those things where it's like depending on who you talk to, they're like, no, that that's a hundred percent real. My friend played mm-hmm. that game, but it's it's completely fabricated. There's a, there's a podcast about it um, yeah. that does it like in character, treating it as though it's it's real, which is kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things. For whatever reason, I don't know if it was because video games were such a big boom when they showed up. Or mm-hmm. or what? But it seems like from the beginning, there's been this idea that oh well, these are being used for something else. These are being used for recruitment. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, fear of it has been t- written in fiction by science fiction writers for since the forties, fifties. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those guys tend to predict a lot of things pretty accurately. So, um, I, I don't know if it's like a chicken or the egg situation here. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, the uh, there's because I mean you've got Last Starfighter. I mean Tron is kind of the same thing. There's always this idea that the video game is is more than it seems, which is which is fascinating. I mean that's what we're all hoping, I right? Mean, everybody, Last Starfighter. I'm like, please, I mean, you're so I think fucking good. Maybe at- <laughs> maybe it's just the fantasy of realizing how much time and money you need to be spend to get good at something that in the back of your head you're uh-huh. like, this has to be worth it. This can't just be yeah a waste of time. I mean, Especially in the early 80s when games are very simple, you, didn't, it triggered your imagination, kind of, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like deep stories to get involved with. So your brain would just be like, man, what if I'm really good at playing Afterburner, but this is seriously like a government experiment, and one day Tom Cruise is going to land in my backyard and offer me the keys to my own jet or something. Right. You know? it, that's what it has to be. Otherwise, <laughs> you have to come to the realization that you have wasted your life. <laughs> yeah. Man, my favorite <clears throat> Atari game growing up was... Uh, called river raid and uh, i used to play the shit out of that mm-hmm. it's still a game that holds up and uh yeah i would love it if the government created it in order to make me the next you know <laughs> top gun pilot well how would you feel if that was true and they just <laughs> they, they were like they've nah. yeah they've never called you i guess you weren't good enough at it this kid's probably gonna be some kind of artist i don't think he's got you know the thousand yard stare <laughs> that we're looking for that's that's the version of the story that i think they haven't done yet which is it's the Game, cr- oh, yeah. game created as a recruitment tool, and you follow someone who doesn't get recruited by it. So if you watch the deleted scenes of Last Starfighter, they did a whole thing where they, the guy kept going up to different nerds at different trailer parks uh, and just sort of turning them down because they were too wimpy. And he finally found the only one that he could tolerate, and that was the main character. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I made that up. Oh, okay. But it sounds pretty plausible, right? <laughs> yeah, why not? <clears throat> what I never got was how come... That guy was because they had a really cool space car in that movie. Um, at least I thought it was cool when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I was always destined to be a car guy. But even back then, I'm like, man, that car is awesome. But the alien is dressed as human. He's got makeup on, a hat, clothes. Everything's accurate, so he won't stand out except the space car. <laughs> it's always I never the, understood. It's that. always the one detail you forget. You want to hear something uh, uh, crazy? I have yes. actually never seen that movie. Oh man! Yeah. Oh, next time um, you're up in New Hampshire, or whatever. Well, that that's 
Oh, de- yeah, yeah. You gotta watch that, man. That would be a one great first movie to watch. CGI movies there ever was. I think it was like one of the first five. Oh, really? Oh, I bet it still looks great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? I, I, man, I could analyze this one forever. Yeah. Um, I was getting, um, obviously a lot of George Lucas. Mm-hmm. I was getting a lot of like Steve Wozniak versus Steve Jobs. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, I'm getting like Star Wars versus Game of Thrones. Um, man, yeah. I mean, and then Patton Oswalt is the voice of the early, guy. early yeah. Patton Oswalt because this is yeah, like ninety nine, two thousand. He's not really a known yeah. quantity. It's funny though. He's no. this isn't a, a Patton Oswalt role, which is basically the same role he's been playing ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime he does a voiceover, it's usually something like this. It's just his voice. Yeah. Yeah. Even um, even though he was new to the scene people still knew knew he was a huge nerd yeah i like that the so the swords that they're using are like limp fire swords (laughs) they seem very ineffective (laughs) yeah like you can't (laughs) you can't really use laser swords you're like what about a fire sword i I don't know and then those things they were riding around on it looked like that character orion um oh yeah uh that's uh dc that's uh thank you gods yeah yeah new gods was that a jack kirby type of thing yep yeah, I mean, the guy's standing there with a half squat, just flying yes. in space, looking like he's shitting himself. <laughs> yep, fantastic. Oh man, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, uh, I liked it more than I should have. I might be at a five for this one. Oh wow, we need some, we need some fives. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know, man. It kept me entertained. I don't remember seeing this one ever, so maybe that was why I was also in- interested. And I'm gonna go a real five, not like a <laughs> flash, the flash movie five that was really a <laughs> wow. So it's like. <laughs> So it's like Heart of Ice and then Centuries of the Flash Cosmos. Okay, wait. No, no, no. All right, we'll go four. Well, heart, there is no Heart of Ice comparison in that Batman Beyond. You that's, know, like that's everything true. is... Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'll think about my score a bit more, but I'm leaning towards a good score in this one. Yeah. You're, you're not as convinced I'm taking it? I thought it was okay. Uh, I thought it was fun enough. I, I think I was just hoping for a little... Uh, I, a bit of a twist on the recruitment thing. I mean, I guess uh-huh. there was because it was he was using them to be uh, uh, criminals and stuff. I, you know, yeah. the thing that stuck in my in my brain about it was I couldn't figure out. I, I was expecting the crime aspect to be some sort of like brainwashing or like mm-hmm. the kids thought they were playing a game, but nope, it, it was a lawsuit. Yeah, but they just <laughs> seemed to be doing it because the guy said to do it and it wasn't like you know the visors they were wearing were showing yeah. them the fantastical world while they were actually just robbing a bank right. or something like that i get like, that, that did, did he really do anything illegal though he destroyed uh some files that okay i think that held the the paperwork saying that he stole the game okay um, but he didn't brainwash these kids no they're not on drugs he didn't lie to them he, he fulfilled their greatest dreams <laughs> That's right? true. He's a hero, shows, honestly. They're adults. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're adults. They are high school students. <laughs> they're oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind, I guess. They're old enough to fight for their country. They're old enough to fly around on gliders with limp laser swords. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think my expectations for this series are just not as high. So anytime I get anything mildly entertaining, I'm just like High score. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was fun enough. Um, I I I found some of the peripheral things more interesting, like 
uh, Terry hanging out with Max made me think that everybody, including the people who create the show, have dumped Dana except Terry. Because she seems to just have disappeared for the most most part at this point. Yeah. Again, Max is way hotter, way cooler. Totally. Yeah. Forget about what's her face. And uh, I did. <laughs> it's, it is kind of funny that this comes down to, to a, a contract dispute, basically. <laughs> Which is the nerdiest type of battle that you would have. Yeah. You know, n- nerds of this power don't fight each other in the streets. They fight each other in court, you know. Yes. Yeah. They um, get people to fight for them. It also has a Jar Jar Binks joke in it, which I was kind of blindsided by. <laughs> Aged very well. Yeah, I think. yeah, that's amazing, amazing humor. That's Terry like be aware. That's like in it had the same effect as in like Star Trek when they make a very contemporary to now reference, mm-hmm. and it just yeah. kind of like hits you the wrong way. It's like, well, why are they? That's a weird thing to say. Yeah, um, yeah. I had to rewind to make sure I heard that right. I'm like, did he just say Jar Jar? <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean. I don't think it. He doesn't seem to be running. It's not the, the people have not come around on Char Char Pinks yet. I don't think so. Accurately predicted. Yeah, maybe it still works. Um, yeah. Well, like on on the flip side, I remember. Uh, I think it was Strange New Worlds. Um, used some turn of phrase that we use now that uh, people were complaining was was too too modern of a phrase to use on a Star Trek show, and that it didn't, oh. and that it didn't make any sense. That's true. But yeah. I saw people coming back saying, like, we still use phrases from, like, the 1500s. We don't realize it, but we, we do. Uh, right. D- you know, ver- various uh, euphemisms and colloquialisms and stuff. It's just that the next generation never, ever used a phrase like right. that. Right, yeah. <laughs> nor did Voyager, nor did Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I mean, out of the blue, we get someone being like, what the hell are you talking about, bro? Or whatever they said. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it it doesn't not make sense in a larger sense, but it does feel very strange. Um, yeah, and Star Trek is supposed to be about the better angels of our nature, where we don't right. talk that way anymore. People right. are trying to be official and whatever. When we were when we were doing Next Generation, uh, Wes and I, I started to notice how tight, how really tight they actually kept that stuff on that show, because yeah. I remembered. There was a certain point when I realized that there are that in the Star Trek Next Generation universe, up to the point we had been at, photographs don't exist like in any form. And then right. uh, I think it was Deep Space Nine has a picture, like a photograph of O'Brien and his family, and it was like a hard copy photograph, and it was very weird because mm. I had right. never seen like a hard copy, and they of course put like a. <laughs> Like a, a Fleer ninety seven holographic foil edge to it to make it look futuristic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's why you know it's from the future, Clay. Right. Holograms, yes. It's cr- credit cards too. <laughs> uh, what did you think of um, the design of the of the sentries of the forgotten? What the fuck is it? Uh, Last Cosmos? Yeah, the flying samurai thing mixed with a bit of fantasy. I don't know about the helmets, honestly. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish it was a little bit closer to Star Wars, actually, but maybe that's why they didn't do that. Yeah, about you? I was, uh, I was on the fence about them because I it it feels like that they were they were going for a half Star Wars, half Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. So I can see right. why they would go a little bit uh, more. Uh, what's the word? Medieval to a yeah. bit with the the outfits. 
Yeah. So um, like, well, you know, we're we're talking about Jar Jar. We've got an obvious George Lucas thing here, guys. Yeah. Maybe we should get away from. There's even like an evil Jedi cloak, for Christ's sake. Right, and a lot of the sound effects sound like they're uh, mimicking <laughs> Star Wars sound effects too, like the, yeah. the laser blasts from ships and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were okay. I think they could. If I was going to choose something to draw, I would say I could probably take a swing at redesigning those guys. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're squatty uh, shit thrusters. I would probably redesign too. <laughs> I was it looked g- a little bit like what He Man used in the Masters of the Universe movie. Yes, that's yeah. That was should- those things were like <laughs> cool or not. Cool isn't the right word, but like um, yeah, they seem to show up a lot in sci-fi movies in like the uh-huh. late the latter half of the 80s because right they had them uh in masters of the universe mm-hmm. they had them in highlander 2 <laughs> and then they all obviously culminate <laughs> That's right they obviously culminate with uh the hoverboard at back to the future too and then and after the, that they kind of disappear i mean the hoverboards we have now basically look like that yes right? they do yeah they're just not <laughs> as wide like get me a really wide one and then let me squat on it like orion yes do you have um, <laughs> people up by you? I thought this was just a Boston thing because uh, I thought it was like MIT people or something, but I've, I've seen them in other states. Mm. Do you have anybody who, who ride around on um, motorized skateboards or the single yeah. motorized wheels? Yeah, which I, I think look the best because it yeah, looks like um, Darkwing I, Duck. Yeah, it's, it's... Or sorry, Gizmo Duck. Yes, it's kind of silly, but it's also kind of awesome. As a kid, that's what I hope the future would look like. So I'm glad that we got something, you know. Yeah. In lieu of not getting sweet self-lacing sneakers and hoverboards, at least we got a single wheel that can take you to work. Yes. <laughs> I, I've never looked into it, but it does make me wonder where they come from. Because now that I've seen them in other states, it's like, oh, these are, I assume these yeah. are things people are buying, maybe making. I don't know yeah. where they're coming from. If anybody out there knows, please tell me. Um, there was this coffee shop near me and, uh, I, when I have to write a script, I'll go like four days in a row. So I'll suddenly be a regular and I'll meet other regulars and I'll find that I'm sitting in someone's seat, I guess. <laughs> and this one guy would come in with one of those things and it would always be out of gas or out of energy. So he needed to sit where I sat cause he needed to plug it back in so he could not have to walk back home. <laughs> <laughs> And he looks like you think he would, kind of like a some fifty something wannabe professor, like Big Lebowski, a little. I don't know. Maybe that's not what you would imagine. Um, kind of a crunchy older Mainer guy who still thought he was hip, and he's yeah. I I I, uh, I said I should have offered to move and change seats with him if he let me ride around on Ooh, the street a little bit go. with it. Yeah, yeah. Have I, you ever tried to get on one of those Razor scooters? I mean, one of the hoverboards. I have not. No. Dude, they're really hard. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust my myself enough at this point in my life to to do that That's without fair. hurting myself. Yeah, I mean, you broke my uh, <laughs> my my bed in New Hampshire, so maybe you don't get on one of those. Things. Well, I think the I think those things are generally not built by you, so I think I'll be okay. <laughs> oh, I realized too. The problem with the bed was I put a um, foam mattress on it and i didn't have any kind of um box spring underneath it so the weight wasn't distributed properly ah that's what it was so that's what it yeah. was yeah okay that's on me man <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad we could talk about it here um <laughs> I, I i i'm sure we've talked about this before but do you have any uh particular method that you use when you go about redesigning or designing a character as far as as uh how you approach it uh 
I wish I had a good answer. What what would you say? I honestly haven't done it enough to have an answer yeah. for that, and I I always feel like it ends up being a uh, harder than I think it's going to be because once you mm-hmm. have to sit down and you have to think about like, okay, what's this guy going to look like? Most of the things that I come up with, I go, this looks this looks really stupid. Like that, yeah. I I haven't figured out a uh, a look or or a design sense that I that I like mm-hmm. when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, even when I design something that I like on a character turnaround, drawing it in a comic more fleshed out, sometimes it's still it's still not fixed. Yeah. Like, I thought I had Zorro down, and then I started drawing panels, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. Is it too much toth? Is it too clean? How dark should the shirt be? How do we know? Do I add Zipatone to the pants? Mm-hmm. You know, how shaded? Do I show his eyes even... Un- you know, even though it's like shaded under his hat, like I don't know, there's a lot of little design decisions that I think you just have to hammer out. You know, twenty pages before you start to get it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, it's interesting to me too that a lot of great character designs only work for the artist that designed it. Yeah. Whereas if I hand over my shit to someone else, sometimes it just doesn't look good, yeah. and I don't know if that's on me or on them. Yeah, I've noticed that too. The one that really stood out to me with that one is. Well, there's a couple. There's uh, um, a couple recent ones. Uh, yeah. Greg Capullo's redesign for Batman with the mm-hmm. the shorter gloves and the, the purple inside the cape. And yeah. uh, it's the black bat with the yellow outline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like he's the only person who can make that look good. Anybody else I've seen draw it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, And um, that redesign you did of Batgirl... Uh, that you that you don't like yourself. I've noticed yeah. that. I, I anytime I've seen somebody else draw that, I'm like, okay, I, this doesn't quite work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the, it's terrible. I mean, I hate that. That's my Batgirl design. It's not like I, they made me redesign Batgirl Year One. They told me to make it gray and blue. Like, yeah, I hate that. I mean, the only thing I added was the mask goes up under her hair, so she doesn't have to have a hood, mm-hmm. so her hair is more free. So I'm happy to own that. Well, but everything else. The other thing, because only because this is the thing that stands out when I see other people draw it, is the straps around her shoulders. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've seen other people cl- clearly like, I'm not really sure what to do with this, and then it just yeah. kind of it just looks like a weird design element. Yeah, the idea I had was she's got a small backpack behind the cape because yeah. she's still like sort of like year two, year three. Like she says, still has, has she's got you tear. Yeah, utilitarian aspects to the outfit too. So uh, I don't know if there's ever been a writer that's had her move her cape aside and show <laughs> that actual backpack. Like if it was my book, I would have done it, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I have I have noticed that a lot of your designs do feel in like inspired by the way that they do them on the uh, Bruce Tim shows, where they seem to be more yeah. of the gear is up top, and then yeah. the, the the legs are usually kind of solid or or not that yep. complicated. Yeah, I generally go with upside down triangle yeah. design. I like the backpack straps looking. I think it helps um, emphasize the lats and it helps mm. uh, define the pecs really well in the shoulders. And I find that a good character design, um, you have to have something neat to draw from the neck up because you do a lot of um, headshots in comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if there's nothing cool happening from the top of your chest to the top of your head, there's nothing for the colorist to play with. So like, that's example, the, the it's called, it's referred to as the Mr. T approach. Is that what it is? <laughs> he's a he's a normal guy just wearing overalls from the neck down, but from <laughs> right. the neck up, it's all gold chains, <laughs> mohawks, and beards. Right. So like, for example, if you're gonna draw a guy in a suit and you're gonna zoom in, 
Don't zoom in uh, so you can only see his face. Zoom in so you can see the his tie, the white uh, top of his shirt, mm. and the dark jacket. Because now you've got like a colorist can be like, all right, we've got a flesh tone, we've got his hair color, maybe the suit's blue, maybe the shirt's green, maybe the tie. Like you've given yourself a lot more visual interest. Um, whereas if you zoom in too much, you lose those elements. Mm. So I think a good character design, it wor- has to work from the shoulders up. And another aspect has to work from the toes up. And yeah. of course, from the, from the, from behind, you know, also you have a lot of close-ups of, uh, hands in comics, so you should pay attention to gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like thigh pouches, like stuff like knees, like, I don't know, like you, I sort of don't focus on those. Like I really think about the mask, the gloves, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> how how are you with? Um, sorry, there's an airplane flying over. That's me. all right. I can't hear it. How are you with like fashion? Because I they the um, X the X Men are doing this Hellfire Gala thing, yeah, and where everybody has these really cool, <laughs> crazy inspired outfits like they uh-huh. do at the Met Gala, and <laughs> and uh, every time I see those, I go like, man, I could never. I would probably turn that job down because I just don't have a sense for that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, my art always looks kind of 70s. Mm-hmm. Even when I draw like Batman Beyond, I don't do a lot of flat screens. I'll still draw like tubular computer monitors mm-hmm. and tape decks. And uh, I think there's something about comic book art where you can make it really retro in the background and no one will care. It yeah. still looks like sci-fi, but it has this edge to it that people can't really define. Um, yeah. And it just gives texture, you know? Um, I think that's why the first Blade Runner works so well. You've got real to real technology in the background. Right. Sometimes it's like, wow, that shit should be outdated, but somehow it's there and it works. So if you're drawing Batman beyond, technically every screen should be a hollow screen. And why do you even need buttons anymore? And, you know, but I still like the idea of like analog button pushing and tape decks and things floating around in the background because I don't think any readers of mine even notice it, yeah. but they, they definitely feel it, yeah. you know? Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I don't... Sorry, sorry, to, to answer your question mm. though, because you were asking about fashion. So I think the similar things apply to fashion is, um, at least in my work, if I draw a guy in a 70s shirt, it just somehow fits. Yeah. Even if he's drawing it or members only jacket or even like a modern jacket, like I've sort of created this thing where everything kind of flows. So yeah, I don't think I would be a, the right artist for a gala book either. Um, honestly, you, you just got to give them get away with, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, go I was just going to say, <laughs> you just got to give them really high waisted pants and like a striped shirt or something. So it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. it's fashionable because it looks like it's from the 30s. Right. But, you know, everything's cyclical. Yeah. Or oh, you definitely. think about in the 90s, all these image artists drew really high-waisted pants and G-strings on female characters. Yes. And it's obviously influenced by Baywatch in the 90s there. But in comics, the high-waisted thong design lasted way longer than it should have. It's like comic book artists didn't really understand fashion. They just yeah. knew oh, what yeah. turned them on from Baywatch. Yeah, my... and, and even in 2008, it's still like Baywatch uh, fashion in a lot of the female characters in comics. <laughs> my my favorite thing yeah. about those those image books and and that era of of comics is that like um, a lot of the 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 regular people characters, mm-hmm. um, I think they thought were making them look really cool, but in retrospect, they all just look like they're from like Right Said Fred videos. 
because they've all got like super tight jeans on and like yeah. tank tops and long ponytails yeah. and stuff like or like you know crop tops yeah. shirts and stuff yeah what's wild too is in society we're so um scattered on what fashion even is now yeah. because back when we had three major networks and we were all watching you know full house or whatever Generally, we agreed that the late 80s looked a certain way and the grunge looked a certain way. We were getting our cues from the same few spots. Mm. Now, I mean, you can go on Amazon and get anything you want. And if, as long as it looks considered, you look pretty good when you go out. Yeah. You've just chosen your thing. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, people who, you know, change gender, or, you know, it, um, fluidity, whatever it is. Like, kind of whatever you want is in now as long as you make it work. And that includes uh, fashion. Right. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing something recently where I was designing some characters for a story that takes place in in like 1991, and so I was yeah. I was looking up uh, some different fashion and stuff from then to try and get an idea, and in my head I thought it looked a certain way, and then when I started pulling up actual reference, I just said I I went, oh, it's pretty normal. It's just gigantic. Yeah, it's like sweatshirts, jeans, shorts, all the same. They're just huge. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. it's funny it's funny how I, I was as I was drawing it, I was like, I don't know if this necessarily reads as the early nineties because like it's that kind of stuff feels more ubiquitous in comics than if you were to see uh-huh. three people on the street wearing gigantic sweatshirts, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's I, I think that's yeah. I, I always struggle with how far do you push it? with as far as um what's the word i'm looking for uh stylizing stuff like if you have if you have four teen characters who are meant to be sort of like normal teenagers Mm -hmm. are you gonna take one of them and go like all the way goth with it just be just to break them up from the other ones are you gonna go all the way nerd with it like is is it possible in comics to be subtle enough to do something in the middle right yeah um i remember um I was supposed to do this book with Brian Wood called Deviate, mm-hmm. which was based on a 90s comic. Um, and this was 2007 or 8, and um, he hadn't been Me too yet. Um, that's why I'm okay telling the story. Is I think he's essentially <laughs> out of comics. And Brian Wood, I don't know what you did, but you've always been an asshole. <laughs> anyway, um, so back then, I didn't really know him, and he was. I was redesigning these characters, and there were like eight of them for this team of heroes called dv8 mm. and um he wanted a more street streetwise type thing so i did my normal sketches and i'm focused more on like the shape of the clothes and the blocking of where the t-shirt stops where the pants go how, how high up are they and i don't get into like the stitching or the feel of the fabric it's yeah. just not my art and um i don't know if he liked my designs or not but he definitely sent them back and he's like i need another pass at these because like what about he's sending me photos from like hollister and like a lot of like urban um grungy type stuff you know mm. and i'm like yeah these i mean once i get into the panels and start zooming in on these people's yeah you'll see like the cord of a hooded sweatshirt but right now that's not where my you know right and anyway that book never ended up happening or i had to move on to do something else so i don't really care it wasn't really a book for me anyway um i think the book did come out i forget who drew it there's a girl who i knew in new york uh it probably didn't sell very well because no one probably has any idea what i'm talking about <laughs> but it did come out but yeah i remember him being really into fashion and uh for a guy who was very um like he was, was with becky clunan they were doing a lot of books back then and 
I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised, actually, given like his branding mm. back in the early aughts. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, it, really into fashion. And I'm just not... I mean, I guess I'm into certain types of fashion, like disco shirts and things, but <laughs> I'm more into the story. Like, you know, if it serves the mood, then fine. Make them wear whatever you want. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I, I find it... I find it tough because I'm a, a, a t-shirt and jeans type person. And I always have been. And so anytime, <laughs> anytime I'm drawing a normal character, I'm like, well, they're probably wearing a t-shirt and jeans. So that's one of the hurdles when you're starting to draw comics. What do you do with guy in background? Right. Is he just wearing a red shirt and pair of jeans? Yep. Like that's what, what else? everyone's first instinct is red shirt, pair of jeans, like fry from Futurama, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe he's got a sweatshirt on. Maybe there's a vertical stripe on that shirt. Ooh, oh, my, my, entire, my entire aesthetic changed when I added the first puffy jacket to the background. Oh, man. What, the, what a time saver on anatomy, huh? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like hooded sweatshirts that cover the face, uh, low baseball hats. Um, yeah, fur sticking up around the character's uh, shoulders and jawline. You mm-hmm. don't have to draw a neck anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, so forgiving, you know. I, I'm curious. I haven't, I, I'm afraid to go back and look, but when I was doing Poser, uh, Poser is, it takes place in the punk rock scene, California punk yeah. scene. And so I have to do all these punk characters. And I had a ton of reference from the, from the kind of style that, that, the writer had in mind yeah but even still it's like difficult to differentiate because it's so much mm-hmm. of the same aesthetic and so yeah. you have to find a way to make like okay only one person can have a mohawk and only one person can have a leather jacket <laughs> otherwise you've got five people wearing the same leather jacket with different pins and stuff but i'm afraid yeah. i'm afraid to go back and look at the background characters from from those because like i i put all my calories into what the main characters look like and so i'm wondering if in like the the group scenes and the punk clubs and stuff it's like four people that look really considered and and punked out and then a bunch of red t-shirts and jeans guys in the background yep background guys yep uh npcs (laughs) yeah characters character design is is something that i I, I it's something I've been wanting to do as practice more because it's not something that comes supernaturally to me uh I mean very naturally not like ghosts but it's funny with um the rise of instagram and that culture where it celebrates pinups um and color and more fashion design type stuff like instagram isn't designed to show panel progression right and storytelling so um i think my head and your head are wired differently like how do these clothes suit the plot you know where is the character standing is it raining does he need a hat? Mm-hmm. Is this a shade over his eyes because he's mysterious? Blah, blah, blah. Like, those are storytelling questions. And I think if you're a pinup artist and you're probably younger and you're on Instagram, you're not thinking about that stuff as much. You're thinking, the trench coat looks cool. Yeah. This looks cool. That looks cool. This will get clicks. The colors are cool. Or there's some, like, wild effect I can do. Oh, I'll make the jacket tattered because that's cool. And then there's definitely overlap. There's a Venn diagram between what you and I are after and what younger artists are after. But... I can see why fashion has become more of a focus for artists because they're not hired now based on showing editors um, sequential art and conventions. They're hired off Instagram mm. where it's pinup stuff only, which this is I can rant up about this for an hour, honestly. <laughs> um, this is going to sound like old man yelling at cloud. 
Uh, in the, there's so many really good people out there. It's like sc- scrolling through Instagram and stuff. The people who yeah. do, who are really into those character redesigns and stuff, do some really cool stuff. Which is, yeah. I, which is one of those things where it makes me feel even more behind yeah. the bo- behind the right. times because it's like, oh, these right. people are so good. It seems like they just yeah. crank all these ideas out, and I, I, yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe this time Spider Man has a hood, and that's yeah. that's all I got. <laughs> Boom, Spider Gwen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man. I've been um, hiring artists to do covers for a few years now, and I've been doing it a lot more recently with um, plot holes because mm-hmm. I'm working with Massive. And I asked them to take some of this work off my shoulders. Like, I said, you guys go get your artists and just, you know, let me know. Like, don't bother me. I can't be writing emails every day. I've got to get pages done. So a few artists that got in were not my favorite, but were inexpensive um, and have a big following. So I'm like, okay, yeah, those guys are good. Um, But lately I've been turning more down and I'm trying to explain to people, like, listen, I know you're excited by this one pinup they did on Instagram, but like, look at all their other posts. They... Yes, they can draw a character with a hooded sweatshirt, but their perspective <laughs> is bad. They don't draw sneakers. They don't draw machines. They don't tell a story. Like, I see obvious flags, but I've been doing this a while, you know, and these guys who work at younger companies, I don't know, going on Instagram and hiring people sounds like a best way to do it, honestly. Yeah. You know, like, I don't blame them for this, but there's definitely a problem. Like, I just wish I could teach a course on <laughs> how to hire the right pinup artist and how, what are the flags are of who you shouldn't hire, or at least people that aren't ready for prime time. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. I would just get canceled. Man. I would just say anything positive. <laughs> I have to use examples, and I'm like, look at this guy. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that, that gets that gets dicey, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't I don't need that drama in my life. <laughs> uh, wrapping up this episode. Um, yep. This has been a great conversation about fashion. About yeah. Fashion. Well, you know, uh, we don't really ever talk about it that much. And it's the future. Everybody's yeah. got visors and three colored coats <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Uh, I think you're right. I think I over. Um, I think I got too excited by this one. Uh, I'm still at a four because it got me more excited than average. So I'm, I am going to go four on this. Yeah. Uh, and I will des- redesign those um, space glider things, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would draw. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I would take a swing at the the, the uniforms for those guys because they they yeah. they do seem like that. I mean, obviously, it's tough with these things, right? Because it's yeah a design that's never going to show up again on a kid's show. <laughs> and it's just like, how about we put some circles on their shoulders and give them a, a, a an easy to draw samurai helmet thing. It's like, yeah, great. Right. Awesome. It's, Sounds it's good. It's not like they're ever going to make deep cut action figures of this stuff one day. Right. Eh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is yeah. when white Knight comes back, <laughs> sure. Centuries of the last cosmos redesign main villain, Million copies sold. That's what I'm saying. There you go, man. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give this a. Th- I'm going to give it a three. I thought it was fine. Uh, all right. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with payback. You're a mean old man. You know that. Mm-hmm. And what are you? Your worst nightmare. You have no idea what my nightmares are like. Okay, Payback, written by Robert Goodman, directed by Kyung Wan Lim, 
And in this one, a new vigilante who calls himself Payback begins taking revenge on the tormentors of several troubled teenagers, all of whom are in the same therapy group. When Terry goes undercover in the group to find the culprit, he begins to suspect the doctor running the sessions, but Payback's real identity proves to be someone no one would have expected. Um, you had mm. texted me earlier, and you said, uh, <laughs> finally, finally a better episode. And I hadn't, I nope. hadn't watched the episodes yet. And yep. uh, I thought you were talking about this one, because I, I really <laughs> like this one. I'm a four on both of them, honestly. Yeah. I like this one, too. I almost sent you a second text and said, <laughs> the second one is good, too. Because <laughs> when I finished, when I finished uh, uh, Centuries of the Last Cosmos, I was like... I he couldn't have been talking about that one, right? That was that was fine. You're not wrong. Yeah, no. I when I saw the second one, I'm like, oh, this one actually has more plot and consequences. Like, you skip to the end mm. when Terry had to go through therapy and convince someone he was really pissed at Bruce, and Bruce wasn't sure how to take that. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that that's stuff really was good. excellent. Yeah, because you know yeah, that more of that next time. That second scene where he's in the therapy group, you, mm. you, you start thinking, how much of this is him venting for real yeah. and how much of is it is it him putting some spin putting more juice on it so to to uh, get the guy to go after bruce and it's right. it's tough to tell because all the stuff that he's talking about is definitely stuff that he's feeling there is a heart of ice version uh quality version of this episode where you really see bruce uh and uh, terry at odds yeah. and terry is just following his gut and bruce is just sick of it and he's like i need to reel this kid in more and there's a fight um some real teenage, you know, trauma type shit. Yeah. And then Terry finds that he's got a lot to talk about in these therapy sessions. And Bruce's, you can imagine how that episode would go. Um, like, I know it's still a kid show, but I would love to see the version of this that's a five, yeah. and not a four, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, even the, the, the earlier, uh, the scene when he goes after the guy he thinks it is, it's Terry, yeah. you know, uh, not really stopping to think it through. Yeah. And he screws it up which is yeah. not something we get a lot. Every now and then they do it on the show, but not so much anymore. Yeah. I was I was actually thinking when I was watching Centuries of the Last Cosmos, um, there was a part of me that was thinking, you know, they might not even need Bruce in this show because I feel like once you have Max, the mm. fact that he has a sound... If they're telling stories like this, like the Centuries mm-hmm. show... Bruce, I don't know. He's not really adding that much. You know, it, it's you're not really mm-hmm. getting that much out of that character, other than the fact that oh, Bruce Wayne is in this Batman show. But then when I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is why Bruce is important because you can mm-hmm. tell stories like this with Bruce that yeah. that work would work way better than if it was just Max or somebody else. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I, I the, one of the things that surprised me the most is I think it's the first episode with a new character who we don't see like the origin of or, mm-hmm. or like he shows up and Batman's already aware of him yeah you know because I thought I maybe missed him right payback he seems to know payback and I'm like oh yeah am I not remembering this guy or yeah yeah it's it's uh it's an interesting shorthand that I, I I'm surprised they don't do more often because it really does save you time <laughs> Yeah, he. Um, I was totally fooled too. Me too. Yeah, I'm like, obviously, the jacked ex-military programmer is clearly the bad guy. Right. Stupid kids show. Like, try to fool me again. And then at the end, I'm like, oh shit, it's t- t- tiny kid head on top of this robot. I did not <laughs> think that was what was happening. I thought I'm like, maybe it's the dad. 
Uh, in some kind of suit, or maybe there's one girl in the uh, therapy sessions that looks like the Vertigo character Death. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's her. Maybe she's just fed up with hearing her peers get abused, and she's just taking <clears throat> matters into her own. Nope, it's the kid. Yep. And the idea that he's trying to free up his dad so he can have more time with him. I'm like, ooh, that's a nice little twist. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I guess they do the same thing they did in uh, Mask of the Phantasm where they have uh, Payback and Howard Lewis. The character of Howard Lewis are voiced by the same actor um, mm-hmm. to create a red herring, which is the same thing they do in Mask of the Phantasm with right. uh, uh, Andrea's dad. Yeah. And I, yep. when I read that, I was like, oh, you know, that doesn't surprise me because I got a lot of Phantasm vibes off of this uh-huh. where I, yeah. I even kind of like looking at Payback's design, he feels like a, a an inversion of Phantasm, like an update mm. inversion of Phantasm with the, the yep. gray body and the black cloak and stuff. Yep, that's fair. Actually, I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. To the point where I, when, uh, when they go to that hotel at the end, the Vreeland International or something like that. I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. Veronica Vreeland is the reporter, right? No. Um, I think she is the um, wealthy That's uh, right. yes, daughter, right. the redheaded girl who's got kind of friends with Bruce, yeah. kind of romantic sometimes. I, I couldn't remember exactly who she was, and my first thought You're was... thinking of Summer... Summer Gleason, summer something. yeah. Thank you, yeah. I, I thought for a second, oh, is that... Phantasm is I, I couldn't remember what Phantasm's real name was, but I obviously knew it was a yeah. a, a, a girl who was friends with Bruce, and so yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So they really are going for the Phantasm thing. Obviously, I was wrong, but there's, um, yeah, I, I was surprised that there was so many kind of uh, uh, younger Phantasm through a younger lens kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to go? Uh, what would you What would you draw on this one? Um. You know, Payback himself is something that I'm on the fence about because mm. I feel like you could – I'm not really sure what his costume is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really sure what you could – what you would really do that would make it, quote, unquote, better. But I also feel like it's a little bit phoned in. Yeah, I think you're right. Could use something extra. Yeah, but you know, like, what what do you do though? Because it's. But I'm a big fan of the laser whip. I I was gonna bring the laser whip up because I love the laser whip, <laughs> even though it's the laser whips are incredibly silly. <laughs> but the way that he whips the elevator into, into two pieces, yes, with like the you know the glowing edges, like the, when the T two when the Terminator bubble contracts and the truck parts are still glowing from the heat mm-hmm. i'm always a sucker for that oh shit. it looks it's, so good yeah yeah and i'm like man that's that might be the thing i'd want to draw is that uh, outdoor elevator fight scene because you get to draw the sweet laser whip yeah <laughs> i uh, uh another weapon from master the masters of the universe movie the laser whip because they at the end oh, when they right. capture him that uh what's his name blade the dude with yeah. the, all the knives also has a laser whip that he whips him with you know, they eventually made action figures out of him too. Yeah, right? my my cousin my cousin had that figure. I was very jealous because I uh, he's got. I think there are newer ones. Uh, they were... recently, in the last handful of years, did figures from the movie of specifically. I don't know if they did him again, but they definitely did He Man and Skeletor, both versions of Skeletor, like even the with the the one at the end with the big gold like Galactus head. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think oh, they're in, right, they're yeah. impossible to find now. But I was, I, I, I was tickled that they made them and jealous that I didn't get them. It's Toy Arc. Yeah, there's the new ones. You can get them uh, on for forty bucks on eBay. Oh, that's not, Mattel, that's not too bad. Master of the Universe. He's got a different head. Oh my god, it comes with a classic He-Man head as well as the Dolph Lundgren face. That's pretty good. Clay, come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent forty dollars wow. on stupider stuff, so. <laughs> I'm gonna download this and save it. <laughs> I um, so not to go completely off topic, but we've please, kind of we've please. kind of started veering that way anyway. Sure. I never really disliked that movie. I I you know, get it. Apologists for that coming out of the woodwork now. I understand that it's not quote unquote a good movie, but it's like I think it's not bad for a Masters of the Universe movie made in 1987. Like the guy uh, Franklin Jella playing Skeletor is like he's amazing, and the makeup he, on Skeletor, the yeah, the makeup on yeah. Skeletor is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. All of the He-Man stuff is pretty, you know, take it or leave it. But yeah, <laughs> the fact that he never says I have the power, um, he does. He says it once. Not when he charges up. Yeah, at the end when he uh, when he gets his sword does back, he? he pulls it out and he says I have the uh-huh. power. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's Sorry, I guess it's a great movie then. You're right. Listen, you what if <laughs> if you're gonna talk about it, make sure you've seen it enough times, Sean, okay? <laughs> I've seen more cuz it's I've I don't know what it is lately. I've seen people dunking on Forrest Gump. It's like popular to not like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I have now, seen that too, about. yeah. And then we've seen people coming out of the woodwork to defend Master of the, v- of the Universe. And they're not saying it's a great movie, but they're defending how bad it is. Like they're they like it ironically and I don't know, man. I I don't even know Honestly, that's a movie where like I don't, I, I don't even know if it's that ironic because there there is legitimately good stuff. Like it looks fantastic. Like the sets and stuff are really good. Um, I think that they, they kind of it falls off the falls off the cliff when it comes down to like uh, what the story actually is. But as right. far as a lot of the designs are really cool. I mean, a lot of it was designed by Mobius, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and they blew their budget on that, on that on him, but didn't think to buy any more sets. Like, how much did you pay him where you couldn't afford um, simple reshoots? Like, there's a scene where a guy, a black stormtrooper, basically mm-hmm. trips, and they just left left it in. Yeah, no one's gonna see that. Hey, they they've got that that shot. <laughs> if 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 the original Star Wars wasn't wasn't too uh, high and mighty to delete that one stormtrooper who whacks his head on the door when they go into that room, then Masters of the Universe can leave the tripping stormtrooper. <laughs> no, I've, oh, I've, I've always liked that. I've gone through, I've always liked it from various points of view where like, mm-hmm. I liked it, I really liked it as a kid because it was the only Masters of the Universe movie. And then later on I was yeah. like, oh, this movie's terrible. I want to watch right. it. And then now I'm just like, no, yeah. I, just, I just like it. It's fine. You know, I would love to see... Oh, that um, is pretty cool. You just sent me the picture. So, yeah, I, I like the costume designs, yeah. actually. Um, and that, that face, the regular classic He-Man face on Dolph's body. The Skeletor. That's, you got to get that Skeletor. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I kind of... You know the movie The Room... Yes. So the make so the uh the the artist what's it called the performance artist um uh, shit it was a movie about the making of the Oh, movie. the disaster artist. Um thank you. Yeah. I want to see a disaster artist of Masters of the Universe 
where you start off with the huge success of what He-Man is. The cartoon, the action figures, all those guys and the toys that made us mm-hmm. good actors to play them. That would be fun. And then you've got this idea, we're going to do a He-Man movie. And you bring in canon. So, boom, you get two more guys that, like, people kind of in the know sort of know what to look at, look, look, look for. It's kind of like Easter egg in a way, but I think there's a solid plot here. And then you start, you get Courtney Cox, you get a young Courtney Cox, you got Dolph Lundgren coming in. Um, like, take me through the process of where that movie went wrong. And show me the actor that's going to play Mobius. Like, I would love to see a disaster artist version of Masters of the Universe. I think that would, be, that would kill. Yeah. You know, I, um, I think it's, a, it's an interesting thing to, to look at because on the one hand, the people making that movie is canon films who are notorious yeah. for low-budget stuff, right? So you're, yeah. you're already kind of preparing yeah. yourself for the worst here. But... Mm-hmm. To be fair to them, it has been 30 years, and they yeah. to date are the only ones who have ever managed to get a Masters of the Universe movie made. Right. So, I don't know. They, they managed to figure it, even yeah. if it wasn't ideal. Yeah. The best defense I can give it is, if you and I are making that movie, and they're like, listen, we don't have the budget to do Eternia. We don't have a green tiger. We don't have Orko. <laughs> we're going to need to make some changes here. We're going to shoot it modern day. So strap yourselves in. Like we're going to shoot in LA. So do whatever movie you want around that. We'll get you Mobius to design characters. We'll do some cool costumes. So we just can't afford Prince Adam or um, Cringer or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why they couldn't have brought in more recognizable villains. Like, Blade Guy wasn't even part of... Um, nope, he was new, yeah. Yeah, like, there was some stuff, like, don't tell me you made that decision to save money. You just weren't paying attention, or you were moving too fast. Yeah, you know? even even at the time, I remembered thinking, like, why is the only recognizable villain Beast Man, and he's only in it for, like, 30 seconds? Two seconds, yeah. Because they get that weird, yeah. like, robot lizard guy. Yeah. And then the other one in the picture you sent me that guy in the middle that's just like a weird gremlin with white hair i don't know what the hell that guy's supposed to be he looks like someone off camera in tatooine yeah, yes, <laughs> or, he does. Um, yes. wherever the, the bar the, is most yeah. Likely, yeah oh so funny thing too i thought because of this movie and i got it in my head that synthesizers looked like that <laughs> like the up until thing? like five years <laughs> up until five years ago <laughs> it's like a tube with <laughs> I mean that's another that's it. another thing the whole the whole plot centers on a synthesizer. How can you hate that? That's fantastic. No, I mean the version of it that you and I would do, obviously that would be a lot of fun, but I just I, I don't want to defend this movie too much. There's a lot of great things going oh, on. Oh, no, it's not can salvage. It's not high art or anything, but it's it's yeah. not I don't think it's like one of the worst movies that have ever been made, you know. Yeah. I think it, I mean, I thought Skeletor looked good. I think he looks fine now. I don't mind him. Uh, I love the outfit designs of most of these guys, not the guy in the middle you're yeah. talking about. Yes. Or the the lizard guy on the right. Um or or Orko or I forget. Gwildor. Gwildor, sorry. Yeah. Um and Tom Paris from Voyager. Forgot about him. <laughs> the guy in the movie's Tom Paris? Yeah. Oh, my God. Courtney Cox's boyfriend. Wow. I. Yeah, now that you say that, I can see it very clearly in my head. But I, wow, yeah, that's really that interesting. part of his rise to stardom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even as a kid, like, even as a dumb five-year-old, I was like... Uh, something's going on here. Yeah, it's not like the same. I want to like this, but why am I not? Like, I didn't have the words to form sentences like, 
why isn't there cringer? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. why are they not like, yeah, I probably would have nodded if you told me that, but I didn't form those thoughts in my head at the time. I was just as happy that there's a He-Man. Exactly. Movie. Yeah. My, my, yeah. when I was a kid, there was so little stuff that was direct adaptations of, of stuff like that, yeah. that even if it was moderately in the ballpark, I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I also, I think I was a little bit, uh, um, spoiled by the one-two punch of Tim Burton's Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, oh, which are point. like yeah. A+, plus, even yeah. though Ninja Turtles is like tweaking stuff a little bit, but it's still, it's all there. No, Ninja Turtles is solid uh, a, a movie. Like, it's amazing how good that movie is. It's still, like, um, I watched it relatively recently. It still yeah. looks great. Yeah, yeah, I saw it like two years ago, and uh, it, I'd never, I'd probably rewatch it halfway at least like once every other year so it's always kind of on my mind mm-hmm. but you know, you know when people were defending how shitty the transformers movies were under james um michael oh, bay sorry thank you mm-hmm. uh they're like well you know it's big robots from space come on what do you expect high art i'm like ninja turtles it's not i mean it gets close to high art yeah. i mean yeah it's a bunch <laughs> of like costume green figures like yeah it's absurd but you've got stuff about like bullying peer pressure crime like there's some real uh, subplots going on in that movie like don't tell me just because it's got silly green ninja turtles you don't have to do a good job and take it seriously show me another me bad hey man show me another movie that ta- tackles the epidemic of homeless yeah. kids angry at society <laughs> in a way that's more nuanced and considered than the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie that's all i'm saying <laughs> And um, who's that famous actor, the head of walk-on part in that movie? Oh, it's uh, Sam Rockwell's first movie. Sam, yes, yeah. thank you. Sam Rockwell, the cigarette kid. Yep. Yep. Great movie. Our, our friend Chris Dabari is actually friends with Danny, the redhead. That's right, he is, yeah. Or knows him. I don't know how close they are. Yeah. If, if Danny's listening to this, I'm so, sorry to ruin your friendship with Chris. <laughs> we, we love your work. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> More than Chris's, actually. Um, uh, getting back to the episode. Um, I really liked, I really liked that elevator fight. Um, hmm. When, especially when uh, Payback says, "I'm your worst nightmare," and Bruce says, "You have no idea what my nightmares are like." Yeah, yeah, that was solid. So that was the tip off for me that Payback is probably someone who's young, who because the lines were written very juvenile. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, all right, it's one of the, it's not the dad, it's not the effects guy, it's got to be one of the kids then who's in the background. I didn't catch. I, again, I did not think that it would be the seven year old kid. Yeah, in a ro- robot suit that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it's <laughs> honestly this episode feels a lot more considered than some of the other ones we've been watching. And I, I mean, I feel I, yeah. I hate saying that because I know how hard these things are to make, and you got to yeah. crank them out. Um, but like the fact that they had they wrote the dialogue for this guy like more. Mm-hmm. I actually thought at, I thought <laughs> I thought <laughs> this has nothing to do with anybody in the episode, but based on the dialogue for a second, I thought maybe it was mad Stan only uh, because in yeah. my head, I'm like, that sounds kind of like stuff. Henry Rollins was saying on the show where he's like, I'm going to blow this place sky high, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, I, it, but they, clearly wrote his dialogue to be more juvenile like you're saying to to uh because of yeah. the obvious reveal i think it's i think it's real a really good episode yeah yeah i i agree i'm at a four on it i think it's better than the last four i just gave out 20 minutes ago but <laughs> just giving out fours like crazy i'm just glad that we had two in a row 
that were very engaging and watchable, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. I uh, I don't know anything about the last two. Uh, ooh, Shriek is coming back in the next episode. That's fun. Hey, there you go. Uh, and then, ah, uh, the last the <laughs> the last episode of the season is about the origin of Ace the Bat Hound. So that'll be fun. Mm. <laughs> oh. Shit, I forgot about that. Man, I'm excited to watch because Colleen was asking me where Ace comes from, and I was like, I don't know. I think Bruce just always had him, and she's like, he didn't. He didn't have a cool story where he like was hanging out in the Batcave, like in White Knight. I'm like, no, babe, that was all me. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to own that. But now you've reminded me that there is an Ace story that I totally forgot about. So I might have to go back and tell her that I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Did I? I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show. Did I tell you about the Ace? story that i want to do well i it was a story i came up with independently that day <laughs> kind of it was a story i came up with independently that I've, I've been trying to think if i can actually do this as a it's a story that i'm like this is either an eight page short a one shot or possibly a series but i have no idea because i don't know how much you can get out of this but i was mm. i was watching uh, we, i was at at breakfast and on the tv was uh they were putting they were What's the word? Um, there was a new canine cop being brought mm-hmm. to the f- to the force, and it was like this cute little puppy, and they were you know doing the ceremony and giving him a little badge and stuff. And I and I'm watching this thing, and I immediately started thinking, what if it was Serpico, but instead of Al Pacino, it was a canine cop? And so it's like a whole corrupt police story, but the uh-huh. the the good cop is a dog, yeah. and it's not a talking dog. It's just a dog. And so I was thinking, yeah. like, what could, I, how, what could I get out of that? And then I thought, oh, that would actually be a really good, like, Batman black and white story about Ace, about the origin of Ace. Yeah. And so that's, that's, a good one, man. that's where yeah. Bruce, Bruce gets him after uh, he almost gets. Uh, and obviously the last shot is of the dog taking his badge, dropping it into a hole, and then covering it up with dirt and walking away. Right. So. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out what the best application for that story would be because I was like, "This is so stupid that I think it yeah. might be great." <laughs> yeah, that's perfect for a, a backup story or a fill-in or like a six or eight-page mini story. You know, yeah. like an anthology. And I'm 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 not afraid to say it out loud here now because yeah. when someone else inevitably does it before I do. I can claim that I had the idea first, unlike the the, bat, yeah. the Bane thing, which I still rubs me the wrong way every time I think about it. <laughs> yeah, man. I told Scott Snyder about, why don't we have two Harleys fucking 10 years ago? And he was just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And he, I don't think he li- obviously didn't listen. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess I'll use that. I know. Aren't book. you glad you didn't? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, maybe he wasn't listening or I don't know. Yeah. Artists don't come up with ideas, so. <laughs> um. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm gonna go four in this one, uh, yeah. and I guess I would probably draw. I, I again, I, I guess I, I think I would probably draw payback or or some yeah. version. You know what else I really like? I like those weird police cars that they have in this show mm. that are kind of like the door stoppers. Yeah, they're kind of weird looking, <laughs> yeah. but they're they're fun. Um, yeah, I got a quick topic to bring up with you that's not related. Sure. Uh, if, we're, if we're done with the other stuff. And I, I think this will be up here. Every, I think everyone will be interested in this. But uh, what generation of comic book professional do you think we are? And to add oh, context, I like, 
I'm watching this DC. HBO Max has this new show. It's like a docu series on DC Comics and the history of the company, mm-hmm. which is 85 years old, I guess. Wow. Um, you know, and there's some normal like chess beating type stuff. They gloss over the bad parts. They enhance the good parts. You know, they get all the right, um, you know, diverse people talking about all these things. And you know, it's 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 pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only like 30 minutes in, so it might take a turn, but. Um, People who were talking about, you know, why Schuster and Simon created Superman, Siegel. they're like, well, I think, thank you. Simon and Schuster is a publisher. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, those guys. Um, they're New York Jews, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> um, they created, one guy was really into bodybuilding and he wanted to get girls. And he's like, man, why can't I just have more confidence, have a bigger body and get chicks? And I thought, I'm like, I wonder if there was a whole generation of artists in the 40s and 50s, we'll call them Generation One, who were living out their fantasies because they wanted to be bigger and beefier and get girls. Was that like primarily one of their top motivations? And for you and me, let's say we're Generation Three or Generation Four. Mm -hmm. I don't think you and I got into comics to get girls. No. No, or to live out fantasies where we're into girl, or we write characters that are good at getting girls. That's just not where you and I are at. Yeah, right? no, not really. So between, let's say we're Gen Four. So we got Gen One <laughs> and Gen Four. So between us, there's Gen Two and Gen Three. There's probably more, yeah. but just for the sake of argument, um, I'm curious, like, if anyone's ever done like a retrospect on how the generations were affected. So the second generation came in having read some Superman and Batman who were probably 10, 15 years old at that point. So now we're talking about artists in the 50s and 60s who had grown up with comics on their newsstand. So they were sort Mm -hmm. of fanboys who are now pros. How did that affect their thinking? Were they doing it because they wanted to get girls? I don't don't think so. I, I don't really know. And then you've got Generation 3, we'll say. So how did those guys come at comics? Were they just um, people who were really into monster movies, um, trying to push EC comics and you know strange horror tales or whatever it was like? And then you know when you get into the eighties, were those people living out their Star Wars fantasies? But because they're not in film, like like what are the stakes for every generation? And I feel like mm-hmm. um, stakes for you and me are: we grew up in the eighties, we love cartoons, we love video games and movies. Um, and you or I are very similar in that I'm in comics because I really like drawing and I like movies and video games and animation. I want to do those things, but I like to draw too. So I'm going to sort of scratch that itch using comics as my format. It's not necessarily yeah. that I love, love, love Batman comics or Superman comics or X-Men comics. I like them and I get them, but really the heart of it is because I'm an 80s kid living out my fantasy, you know? Sure. Yeah, what do you have to say about all that? Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I think it's, uh, when, when you see some of these histories of the, of the different companies, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, I think you can start to see how the different eras sort of, uh, shake out as to, to what the different people are interested in. Like, mm-hmm. I know I read the, uh, the history of Marvel comics book that came out a few years ago. That was really great. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, the secret history. I think it's called Secret History of Marvel Comics. Yeah. But and Simon, as you're going through, Schuster. yeah, yes, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> uh, and a, as you go through that, you can kind of see how people shake out. Where it's like uh, the the earliest era was 
the the guys who are who are doing it just as a as a blue collar kind of job and then once you get into like the 60s and 70s it starts becoming a lot more counterculture where you've got guys doing yeah. uh the cosmic stuff where you're <clears throat> most of them most most of them like yeah you know i was doing a shitload of acid and i just yeah. I just really didn't like the government, and so I created Thanos, you know, yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I, I feel like uh, in, I feel like the, the 80s guys mm-hmm. feel like, the, the 80s and 90s guys feel like they are the generation, is it the 80s? I'm trying to figure out where the lines are divided here, but I feel like there's there's one generation who is the first generation who 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 are fans uh-huh. who became creators, right? Yeah. And that's probably like the guys in, in the 70s. And then the 90s guys mm-hmm. are sort of a heightened version of that run through like right. the 80s action movie filter. Yeah. Because I feel like the, the image stuff is clearly, it's like, okay, yeah. comics run through yeah. canon films, right. run through Stallone movies, Schwarzenegger movies, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. And then I, I, then I think, uh, I don't really know what the next generation after that is because frankly i wasn't reading a lot of comics then so it's tough to really know i think that's the first big indie like the first really big indie generation was the one that followed image because that's when you're when image moved needed to sustain itself yeah you start doing a lot more um fewer superhero things and and after after the bubble pops and all that kind of stuff yeah and where we are now i don't know i i do think i would agree with you that i I am similar where it's like I really like all this stuff. I do love comics and I love telling stories and I I think we are the frustrated filmmaker generation to yeah, some extent. That's a good way to where it's like, yeah, yeah. I would love to make Blade Runner, but I can't do that, <laughs> but I but I can draw it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good label. We'll call our generation the frustrated filmmaker. Um but we're also So I I think that you've really hit on some smart stuff. I agree that um the Neil Adams generation Loved Superman growing up, but had a healthy mm-hmm. dose of skepticism of government. Nixon, Vietnam. So they went yeah. for social issues, civil civil issues, and good for them. Um, and, you know, Frank Miller as well, obviously. So they took these toys, and they're like, yeah, but what about this? And they went a little darker. Um, and then I think the generation after that was... Guys, guys, not... Every hero needs to have a friend who has a heroin addiction, all right? It, it worked the yeah. first couple times. So then, Flash doesn't need to have a son who's addicted to heroin, okay? So then, you know, Rob Liefeld comes along. He's like, yeah, I hate the government too. Like, he knows what to say, but doesn't actually feel it. He's like, whatever, he's a kid. He's in party, saved by the bell mode. Um, loves Rambo, loves Terminator. Like, takes the um, gloss of distrust government war is dark and dangerous but he takes the fun bits from neil adams right and just gets rid of the the um the 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 education behind it like the root yeah. of where that the, stuff the came. meat thank you yeah. yeah he gets rid of the meat and i'm not knocking rob at all or neil i just think you know whatever um so he goes well that's so rob's like yeah fucking universal soldier was awesome cyborg yeah the word cyber needs to be used way more than <laughs> everything cyber and blood yeah. um so they were in party mode and then they sold like crazy so fund that with money and the competitive environment and of course everything happened the way exactly we should have predicted honestly you know but hindsight's twenty twenty. and then the generation after that is me it's my generation um and maybe you a little bit too, where I saw Image explode 
in a good way i saw it explode in a bad way like it blew yeah. up exploded um like incinerated itself because the quality just wasn't there and i saw it collapse and i thought oh man um i sort of took my hand off the wheel for a bit i'm like ooh, i really like what rob was doing i love the universal soul i love cyber <laughs> everything but that was a dead end and who doesn't love cyber <laughs> but limping into the 2000s after um marvel went bankrupt it's like what happened? What did we? I want to get back to that. I want to get back to the sales and the money, sure, and the color and the bright guns and the, the plague pouches. But I want to do it with um, more carefully. Like I don't want us to go out of control this time. At least that's where my head has always been at. Is like I want to celebrate that stuff, but I want to be really more, careful with it. More sensibly sized sensibly pouches. Sized. We, we can still use the. We can still use pouches, <laughs> yeah. but they need to be reasonably right. sized. And when you look at the train wreck of the '90s, I go well. I like Universal Soldier too, but that movie's sort of responding to Platoon and World War Two. Like mm-hmm. you can enjoy Universal Soldier, but you also got to see why Saving Private Ryan is better. You know, like you can take your candy, but you also want to get your vegetables too. So I always thought, like, let's try to avoid the image mistake and be smarter about this. Like we can still have our toys, but let's try to tweak it to be more like what Neil Adams did and what Frank mm-hmm. Miller did. And I don't know if that's my whole generation of comic people or if that's just me. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always felt like um, I my knowledge and experience of comics was like in a movie where uh, someone comes home, someone leaves home, and then when they come back home, their entire house has been burned to the ground. Yeah. Because like and like they weren't nobody told them. Yeah. Because I I a good way to say it. I you know I went to I was in high school and went to college in the early two thousands and I wasn't really that cognizant of what was going on Same. behind the scenes. Yeah. As far as like Marvel's implosion and I yeah. I didn't really as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Comics were still big business. Yeah. And then once I got to college, I wasn't really reading them anymore until I, I didn't really start picking them up again until after I, yeah. I mean, I was, but you know, intermittently. Yeah. And then uh, once I got out of college, I was like, great. So when, when uh, this whole industry is in the, is in the toilet is what you're telling you know, me. When, uh, Maximus goes back to Spain and finds his wife hung over the door jam. Yeah. <laughs> and his fields are smoking. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly like that. Great, glad I came home. Now what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then my entire career since then has been me avenging avenging the the, the death of my wife and my child. <laughs> yeah, I remember the apprenticeship. I had a poster of all the '90s crate, and I wrote up beneath it, "Do not let this happen again." And I'm not really sure why mm-hmm. I wrote that, but I still have it in my office today, and I pass under it every day, and I'm still dissecting why the hell I wrote that. And well, I think that was the <laughs> that was everybody's that was everybody's thought, right? Yeah. Like it was there was that time after as these things do, yeah. where after the after the '90s stuff faded away a bit, yeah. it became hip to think it sucks. Yep. And I mean, frankly, a lot of it did suck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot. Of, like I I've come across many a comic from that era where it's like th- these people are are. They've they've uh, they've got as many lines yeah. as Rob Liefeld does, but they are not put in the same yeah. place yeah. Uh, as as adeptly. But you know, it's it's it becomes ha- a hip to hate on the stuff that was popular yeah. and then exploded. Yeah. And you know, it's it's still it's like I I think the canon film thing is a pretty 
appropriate analogy because it's mm-hmm. like I feel like the, the the way you can look at them is the same. Where it's like, yeah, this was really popular, it did really well, yeah. but I can still like it. But I mean, I know this isn't winning any awards or anything, yeah. you know. But yeah. it doesn't. The generation after us would be the, uh, the iGens, um, and I feel like what their their experience has been is, you know. When they came of age at age 10, they probably had a uh, MySpace account or Facebook or, you know, email. Mm-hmm. So we're talking connected to phones, smartphones, internet bullying, can't get away from screens, you know, anxiety, uh, being sold things all the time, distractions, short attention spans. Mm-hmm. That's all just a fact um, for what they're dealing with. And I don't, you know, um, I, I can't imagine what it's like, the, the stress that that has been for them to, you know, put some point in there to put some, give them some credit, yeah. but they're gone through. And they also have um, Cintiqs, and you've got digital drawing. And I think, and I'm just sort of thinking out loud here, but maybe what they're, they're also returned, they're also Maximus returning home to see Smoking Rubble of the 90s. <laughs> we kind of rebuilt some stuff a little bit. Like DC yeah. Comics kind of had a resurgence with Saga and uh, The Walking Dead. And then, you know, the idea of comic book movies gave the impression that the comic book industry must be uh, um, solid. There must be decent careers to be had. Why would there be these yeah. billion-dollar movies coming out in video games and whatever? So I think it gave the impression that things were were fixed, but they're clearly not. Um, you know, you look at GoFundMe campaigns, medical issues, people complaining about professionalism, whatever. You know, like the comics. Everyone made money on comics, except for comics. Movies made money on comics. Right. Video games money on t-shirt companies, action figures. Everyone made com- money on comics, except. For for comics <laughs> and i think right, that yeah. that's becoming clear now as the industry is currently contracting in the past few years it's definitely contracting and i think it'll bounce back to something we're just in a weird bottleneck right now um but if i'm someone who's 30 what would my outlook be uh, i i love manga i love video games i love um, yeah. transformer movies like i love to draw and you're hoping that there's some kind of career here for you but the smoking rubble is hard to ignore or explain away, you know. And on social media, there was it got caught in the culture war. So half of the a lot of the reporters were claiming things were fine, everything's great, but mm-hmm. they were lying because they were taking into consideration manga sales. Um, and success in movies is not success in comics. So I think even the reporting has corrected itself in the past few months, where they're starting to say. Oh yeah, things aren't actually that great, you know. Mm. <laughs> you know the whole Trump thing kind of screwed it up with the culture war. So I think a lot of uh, messaging was just I don't know distracted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing like people who are 30 who are into into this, like they love to draw, they love Instagram, they love getting likes and clicks and stuff. They're probably more interested in doing pinups and character designs. They're not as aware of what storytelling actually is because storytelling takes time. And when you have a short attention span, you're not interested in long story form storytelling. Obviously, they'll sit yeah. through Star Wars and, you know, they'll still sit through stuff and they'll, they can get introduced to storytelling. But them sitting still for three hours to watch The Godfather and really understand why it works and what these visual cues, how they're important. Like, this is why Neil Young understood this. Sorry, Neil, Neil Adams. Probably Neil Young, too. I mean, probably <laughs> Neil Young, too. He's, he's, a, he's a storyteller yeah. through song. I love his... Oh, man, there's a great Neil Young joke here. I'm not finding it. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. And I wonder what they're going to think of all this or how upset they are or how confused they are. 
I can certainly understand why they're not as good at doing backgrounds and storytelling because that's not what Instagram is set up for, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how things progress in the next handful of years. Yeah. I, I was watching my wife on stage last night. She's in theater. And she was the lead in um, a show called Sweet Charity, which is from the 60s or 70s. Mm. And um, yeah. I was thinking, you know, theater should be dead because TV's been around for a bit. Um, but I think that live performance theater and vinyl and comics, these things have such cult appeal that they're never going to go away. They'll still be around for a long time, but it's shrunken dramatically from the heyday. Um, obviously sure. theater used to be big before TV and movies and blah, blah, blah. And I think comics was destined to take a huge hit um, some from the 70s to now. I mean, when video games and CGI started doing better work than we were, it makes sense that we're destined to go away at some point. Not completely, though. Just like vinyl hasn't gone away completely. But, you know, the new yeah. comic industry seems more like a cult, a, a small cult boutique type thing for the true believers and not necessarily for an industry that you would design from the ground up right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder every now and then I wonder if I had gone to school for something different, like if I had gone to like art center and got into, uh, concept design or had gotten into, um, CGI work or something like that. And I think like, you know, I might be making more money, Mm. but, I don't know if I would be as satisfied with it yeah. because there's something about being at the front of the storytelling, the tip of the storytelling spear, if you yeah. will, that is yeah. a lot more exhilarating and satisfying. Yeah. I, I, I could be wrong. I'm not, yeah. I'm not knocking those careers because people do amazing stuff, yeah. you know, I mean, I, but I, I just personally don't know if I, if I would have yeah. been that satisfied or if I would have been sitting there working on right. rendering a, a Triton for an Aqu- Aquaman movie going, I wish I was drawing comics. You know <laughs> I what know. I mean? Yeah. Or the uh, Batleth um, for Worf that you're never really going to zoom in on and appreciate in any meaningful <clears throat> right. way. Yes. Like, well, yeah. all that work, great. Just the motion blur. That took awesome. me. That took me <laughs> six months, and I missed the birth of my first child, but I'm glad those 14 seconds in the show lit poorly. Right. Are exactly what you were it's looking like for. It's like that uh, hentai animator that we talked to from time to time, <laughs> who yeah. busts his ass drawing perfect penetration scene. But in Japan, they pixelate everything. So what was the goddamn point of working so hard? <laughs> Thanks, Japan. Um, so let me do my job. You know, then there's a guy next to him with like the cigarette hanging out of his mouth, going, "You know, if you just draw the pixels, then yeah. it's a lot easier." Well, yeah. Or it's the equivalent Save of like, you a lot of time. Just, they're going to cover that with a word balloon. Don't draw it. Right. Yeah. Why are yes. you making your life harder? <laughs> yes. Like it doesn't matter that you're great at. No, I'm not going to. I don't want to make you go back and edit anything I'm about to say. <laughs> okay. Um, I, that that probably means we're. It's about time to wrap but, it up. Yeah. I did want to add one more thing. Like as I was watching yeah. this DC documentary thing, there were some such amazing art in the 70s with EC comics oh, yeah. and some of the horror shit, and like. I think the only way you could see an amazingly drawn zombie hand coming out of the earth and choking a girl dressed in bondage, the only way mm-hmm. to get that was from buying that comic for 25 cents. There was nothing right. on TV that gave you that. There's not, no internet. There's no video game. There's no, like, uh, sure, some, like, old horror movies. Maybe you get pieces of that. But yeah. would your mom let you watch it? No. 
So I get that there was no one providing that um, experience except for comics. So comics right. was a completely valid format in the 70s, hands down. In the 80s it was too, but I think it's, that's when we started to lose ground because that amazing uh, hand coming out of the ground shit, you could suddenly see that in Evil Dead. And right. as video games got better, you could see it. And then the action figures got better, so you could have it in 3D and blah, blah, blah. And yep. that's just why we've been outpaced by all these other mediums. It's just a matter of time. You know, like It makes me sad, but um, I think you're right. The, the nice It sucks that there's no money in comics, but there's freedom in poverty. Because mm. all you need is imagination, a piece of paper, and, and ink. And you can sort right. of do whatever storytelling you want. Um, that's it, it really does make it the frontier in the Wild West of crazy ideas. If they threw a bunch of money at us again, there might be people monitoring us. And there'd be a new comics code of some form. Yeah. You know what I mean? So as much as I yeah. complain about the poverty of comics, there is freedom in that. Because it's like, well, we're not making money anyway, so let's just experiment and see what works. Yeah, I know I've, I've said this before on the show, but I... I uh, a teacher of mine in college said he he saw an interview with um or was at a convention or something with uh neil adams yeah. where he was doing a demo or something and someone asked him why did you choose comics uh-huh. of all the things you know you're an amazing artist you why why choose comics and he took a piece of paper he took his <coughs> brush and he drew a circle uh, yeah and he said i've just created a universe uh-huh. It's with all the planets and all the people and all of the uh, ups and downs of daily life of everything that could possibly exist yep. in this universe. And then he took his pen again and he put a cross through it and he goes, and now I've just destroyed it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> which I always love. That's a great soundbite. But part of me is just like, shut the fuck up, Neil Adams. <laughs> I know. No, of course. Of course. I mean, the dude was a good, the dude was a showman. You yeah. Know? Yeah. He um, was in a. Uh, it's funny, that speaking of these documentaries, every few years there's another go-around of comic book documentaries. And uh, I'm always bummed that I'm never in the right place at the right time to be in them. Um, but that's a side side concern. But the last <laughs> round, I remember the History Channel did something. Just start just start opening random doors at, S- at San Diego Comic-Con. You might yeah. end up walking in like, on one. Where are these things being filmed? Like, I've made DC a lot of money. I can't believe, like, I don't, I, yeah, I am a little, like, annoyed and butthurt. I guess it is my ego. It's like, I've done all this shit for you. I didn't get invited to um, the Batman premiere movie thing, and you invited all these other artists who don't sell that much. Like, am I doing something mm-hmm. wrong here? Or, and then uh, they had um, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, who was a friend of mine, who's a Superman writer. And he was, oh, he sure, was yeah, there. I'm like, okay, so what is he, what's he got that I don't? And then they have him go through, like, hey, pull out your box of comics. Why don't you flip through them and give us a nostalgic look on your face? And he's doing it really well. And I'm like, you know what? I would never be able to do that. I would be like, no, guys, I'm not going to play your game. I don't really have a long box near me. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, maybe that's why they never call me for this shit. It's because they don't think I would play ball. That's because in the DC documentary, they'd be like, okay, Sean, show us your collection. And be like, well, uh, this is a box Check out this, of, my, this of my books that they just sent me for free. And... <laughs> Check out this That's Dolph Wonder in action figure. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about underrated. <laughs> Look at this. Did you see this Hot Wheels car? I got this for $2. I've downloaded some undigitized uh, hentai that hasn't been censored. <laughs> you guys want to watch that? The most amazing animated penetration. I mean, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. It's not on brand, but <laughs> it is Batman themed. So it will work in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's the reason why I'm not getting phone calls. They're like, Sean, we're happy to have your weird white nut universe and sell the shit out of it, but we really don't want you doing any more press. I mean, we've listened to your podcast, for Christ's sakes. 
I know. Maybe maybe we've just shot ourselves in the foot collectively yeah. doing this for you, however many you, years we've been doing you it. You told the ghost of Neil Adams to shut the fuck up. You, you didn't know who created <laughs> Superman. You called him two Jews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe it's all, it's 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 kind of. It's getting fine. more clear the more we talk about yeah. it now. I don't, I yeah. don't care, man. It annoys me every now and then, but I'm just like, eh, who cares? It's just another thing you'd have to do. Yeah, I mean, I know. So Joel uh, Jones was on this documentary and a few other people, mm. and I'm just like, man, I hear them complain about their contracts with all kinds of publishers, and I know they would rather have my my sweet deal where you're getting my rate, my royalties, and the freedom that DC has given me. Like they would rather have that than be on some documentary. Um, sure. So it's just funny how they, the positive, good feeling vibe that they give these documentaries when you know behind the scenes that not all these creators are happy all the time. You know? Have you uh, have you ever seen that interview with the writer Harlan Ellison? No. Where um, he talks about how uh, they, there was some, I don't know, some movie or something based on a book of his, yeah. and, and uh, they were doing DVD extras, and the studio called them up and they said, "Yeah, we'd love to come over and do an interview." for this thing he's like great how much are you gonna pay me uh-huh you go oh well i mean you know we just figured it's just a dvd thing it's like oh no i understand yeah how much are you gonna pay me <laughs> it's like well we didn't really th- think that you would well i don't care yeah fuck you pay me yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair i'd be that guy i need you to pay me and then i'll start slamming neil adams live on camera yes um, costing you a lot of money to edit oh it's funny someone um one of my old art dealers um Jason, who's still uh, a friend of mine, he got contacted by this student project that was going around filming people, and they came with the same kind of camera that Chris Nolan uses, I guess, and they oh, wow. set up in my shitty Brooklyn apartment, which is super tiny, when I'm literally working in a coat closet, which where my studio was, um, and I remember after all of it was said and done, uh, feeling annoyed that I lost an entire day and a half of work and didn't get paid. Like, as fun mm-hmm. as it is to feel cool for them to shoot, like, slow-mo shots of you saying stupid, profound, but not really that important things, it does feel neat, but at the end of the day, it is a distraction, and it's not really what gets anything done, you know? Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta take a, you gotta take a break every now and then, do some fun stuff. If you go on YouTube and look for it, you'll find it's, like, it's all black and white. It's me. I'm younger. I don't have any gray hair yet, and uh, I'm, like, twirling my <laughs> pencil with my hand while i'm talking and they shoot to like a slow mo of that and uh then i'm walking through a cemetery nice. at one point it got very like brandon lee at a few <laughs> points <laughs> so if you want to watch it it's like 10 years old at this point but uh yep i think i <laughs> think i remember that because i think i remember you saying like yeah they shot me walking down the street and i'm just wearing a tank top and it looks really douchey but it was like 115 <laughs> degrees yeah yeah <laughs> Now go sit by the cemetery. Like, there is a cemetery near my house. I did walk through yeah. it. It was the only peace and quiet. Like, I'm not trying to be all, you know, emo. But for them, they're like, great. Well, that's what's the most dramatic tombstone we could find? Why don't you go lean near that? Yeah. Like, I get it. I get why. So when I watch these things now, I'm not like, it might not as be as douchey it was, as it was intended. Like, it's still fun to dunk right, on. Right. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't let anyone Do you, Have home. you ever... Have you ever seen the video of of Glenn Danzig talking about his comic book collection? Yeah, I do, long time ago. I don't really remember it. Yeah, it's 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 worth watching. He's like very dramatically lit, and he's this is from like the late eighties or something, yeah. and so he's just like there talking about what he really loves about Wolverine. Uh-huh. It's like, all right, man, that's great. Yeah, I remember he was fan cast as Wolverine for a hot second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd see that. And then he opened. Then he opened his mouth, and people are like, "Oh, this guy can't." Act. <laughs> 
He could have been in Masters anyway. of the Universe, man. That's true. Your favorite yeah, he could have fucking been Gu- movie, apparently. Of all time. <laughs> he could have been Gwildor. All right. I think that's going to do it. Yep. Uh, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> thank if you, you'd man. like to uh, help support us, check out patreon.com slash the Penske file. We've got our coverage of The Flash is up there. And also we have uh, Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker. Number three is on the shelves right now. So pick that one up. And uh, thank you, Sean. Thank you, man. This is fun. As always, and we will yeah. see you guys next time with our final episode of the season covering the episodes Weir's Terry and Ace in the Hole. See you. <laughs>